This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm right here. It's my time to be the voice you're listening to. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Porter. Hello! Hello! Isn't it a beautiful day today? It's absolutely gorgeous. We are recording this on Monday afternoon and it is just the loveliest spring day. And did you notice out on my street, the trees are in blossom. I didn't notice, that's so bad of me. What's wrong with me? Everyone loves blossom. I didn't notice. Have you not noticed in general the blossom everywhere? Mm, I did notice some this morning, yeah. Because I've been... I've had this funny relationship with the blossom this year, and I think I have this happens to me every year. Mm. I look at the blossom and I think, oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. Mm. Then I remember that when I lived on the other side of London, in West London, there are some very beautiful streets, and I think to myself, oh, I must try and get to those streets to look at the blossom on the trees and these very pretty streets. And and then I think, oh, I'm probably not going to get to do it, though. I think over the next few days and then think, oh, I don't know if I'm going to quite manage it. Then I realise that blossom doesn't last very long. No. It falls from the trees w- within a few days, really. Yeah. And then I start thinking about my own mortality. <laughs> and I just get really depressed because then I start thinking, well, that's that's it. That's another year gone. <laughs> and, you know, there are far fewer probably cherry blossoms that I will see yeah. than I have already seen. Wow. And, and I wonder what that says about me as a person, that I can only enjoy it for a few seconds before I start thinking about death and my own mortality. I think it says a lot. It's not good, is no, it? No, no. Um, so that was my first thought today. Uh, this, this, the second thing was some, something terrible has happened. Mm-hmm. The bank has sent me a new card. Oh, that is the worst thing. That is the actual worst thing to happen in the world. You've got to go into all your things and change all the numbers. And, and I've memorised my numbers and then I get a new one. I, can't, I don't know it anymore. I know, that three-digit thing at the back I know by heart, but then I have to learn a new one. I know, I know. Oh. Like every time you go to order something on your phone on Deliveroo oh. or if you go to order a taxi or something. Put something different in. Oh. I'm so sorry for you. Yeah. I'm so sorry that happened to you. I got a text message from the bank saying, we're going to be sending you a new card. And my heart just sunk. I've said before, I don't want it. I've said, I don't want it. I do not want it. And they're like, they've got to have it. So I don't want it. Well, they've already started sending me messages because it arrived a couple of days ago. Um, they've already started sending me messages saying things like, we noticed you've not used your new card yet. Really? It's very needy behaviour, so isn't needy. it? Wow. Yeah, yeah. But then again, at the same time, I don't want the bank to be mad with me. <laughs> so maybe maybe I'll go and buy something as soon as we've finished here do. today. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me, do you have any wood? 
Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. Ooh, I'm in the stream. Share your story of social ineptitude with yours, us, I should say, and your fellow drifters. Email us, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Keith says, I was about 22 and was working as a waiter for a famous luxury department store in London. I hated the job, but it was just a summer job post-uni. One night, I went out with my sister and her then-boyfriend, now-husband's friends, who were quite generous and bought all the drinks. We ended up at a karaoke bar, but the only spirits they had were vodka and soda, weirdly. I hate vodka and never normally drink it. Also, who the hell drinks vodka and soda? I remember it tasting of stale fizzy water. I don't remember much of that night, obviously. The next day was my actual first day as a waiter for this posh department store and I woke up on my sister's sofa feeling pretty rough to say the least. I walked to the tube feeling okay-ish but as I was walking down the escalator I suddenly felt very queasy and sweaty so I quickly rummaged through my bag to find a plastic bag. I grabbed it just in time and ended up hunched on the floor hurling into a bag while commuters passed me by. (sighs) I left the bag which was leaking because there were holes in it and with my head down in shame ran to get on the tube and get to work. I thought the worst of my hangover was over. I was wrong. I was serving the customers just about, all the while periodically going to the telephone to say, going to the toilet to say hello to the big white telephone. I was feeling awful and I thought, why me? I managed to get through the day barely when my manager asked to speak to me. He was this flamboyant Italian guy and was complaining about my performance. I can't think why. He said he will have to let me go. Even though I didn't like the job, I needed money and had rent to pay. All of a sudden, I really felt sick again. So while my manager was lecturing me, I turned around and threw up in the kitchen bin. I somehow got away with it by saying I dropped my phone and was fishing it out. (laughs) In the end... I don't know how. In the end, I worked at that restaurant for another six months and did an internship for the department store. That is the best getting away with it story I've ever heard. I mean, do you think he believed it or just think, I just can't be bothered getting into this? I think he was probably just thought, I'm pretty sure he was sick, but I cannot believe somebody would be sick like mid-lecture. So he can't, I think his brain couldn't process it. Well, you turn around and throw your phone into a bin. Yeah, I'm just fishing it out the bin. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's go on to James. I am 27 years old. I have two children, Hunter, six, and India, two. I'm a stay-at-home dad, whilst my fiance Jess, works in mental health nursing. Irrelevant to the story, but she deserves some recognition for her hard work. Last Friday, after dropping Hunter to school, I was pushing India and her buddy, Buggy, when I spotted something laying on the ground only yards from the school gates. It was a Polaroid photograph. Now, I should say I'd gifted Jess a Polaroid camera a couple of years back, and it was the same style of picture that her camera would print. Therefore, the only reason I even picked it up was I thought that maybe it was something I myself have dropped from under the pushchair. This sounds like an excuse, but I promise it is not. To my horror, when I look at the photo, I found myself staring at a photo that a man had clearly taken of his own penis. Uh. Right outside of school, sinister Uh. I know. I dropped the photo and I kicked it under a bush. (laughs) I did think about taking it home and putting it in Jess's coat pocket so I could accuse her of something untoward. (laughs) But I don't think she would have been impressed. I popped into the newsagents, which is around the corner from the school, and told the shopkeeper about my find. She was disgusted and said maybe I should let the school know and that maybe I should retrieve the photo in case it's found by a child. I felt obliged to do as she had suggested. She offered me a plastic glove and a small clear bag so I didn't have to touch it. I didn't mention I had already handled the item in question. So here I am, a 27-year-old man pushing a two-year-old in a pram wearing a latex glove... 
foraging through a bush for the photograph of another man's penis in sight of so many residential windows. This was like the weirdest episode of CSI ever. I retrieved the picture and took it home. I hid it out of reach of the children and then I went to, to pick Hunter up. I popped into the school office to let them know. I got there early so I could speak to the receptionist before collecting my son. I tried quietly relaying what had happened and after a couple of attempts she finally heard me and louder than I think she had expected she yelled a man's penis in the small reception area there were three other parents who fell deadly silent and just stared at me I was mortified when I got home the school phoned and the receptionist asked if I could meet with the head teacher on Monday morning and if I if I could please bring the photo to school so just to sum up I am now a 27-year-old man with a two-year-old in a buggy smuggling seedy amateur porn into a school to show to a head teacher that I've previously only met once. Being a drifter, I'm sure you can understand quite how difficult this entire traumatic deal has been for me. Oh, that was just wonderful. Thank you so much for that. What was the name again? That was James. James, that was uh, magnificent. Please share your story with us. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Soon people will know that we don't know what we're doing. Drift. Annabelle, it's time for you to share a story. Yes. In uh, a little feature that you like to call Ways in Which You're Not a Fully Functioning Adult. And I believe it's part 12. 11. Damn. Oh, close. Okay, part 11. My physical inadequacies. I've come to terms with the worst case scenario regarding my child. He's an outdoorsy person. Oh. I know. Whereas I'm an indoorsy person. I'm probably not as indoorsy as you, Jeff. Like, you've got a small garden at the back and I have never seen you put even one foot in it. <laughs> and I come around here a lot. And even on the hottest days of the year, you just open the door a bit and sit inside. I've never. Ne- you, have you ever been in it? Honestly, has your foot ever entered it? I don't think it has. <laughs> but I'm quite indoorsy. As I think all the best things happen indoors. But... My son, he cries all the time indoors, outdoors, never cries, loves it. And I think that he likes nature, whereas I just think that nature is messy, like really messy (laughs) and very dirty. If it was someone's house, you wouldn't eat any cakes they'd made though, would you? (laughs) And I don't like the way the air moves around me. Like if I was indoors and someone kept blowing in my face, I'd find it really annoying. And I find it the same when I'm outdoors. I did some calculations using some numbers that I didn't verify on the internet and I found that only 0.3% of the surface of the earth is indoors. But that is shocking, isn't it? It's 2019. Like, we need a big Truman Show dome over at least half of it by now, surely? And my son is going to want to spend all his growing years in that 99.7% outdoors and away from the safe confines of indoors. He's going to discover how physically weak and pathetic I am. And he's already witnessed one piece of startling evidence of this. As I was pushing him along in the pram on a quiet residential street in my home, just walking along, pushing a pram, and then I fell over. And I didn't fall over anything. There were no obstacles. There was nothing slippy. I didn't faint. I felt completely normal. And for a reason that I do not know, I found myself on the floor, but to my credit, still holding onto the pram, which makes me sound like I've got longer arms than I have. I was more hanging onto it than holding onto it, if I'm honest. And one lady saw it and she came over and first of all, she said, are you okay? And then she said, but how did that happen? And I just had to tell her I don't know. And I swear that my son, even though he was still a little baby at the time, he closed his eyes out of embarrassment, like he pretended that he didn't know me. And it has happened once before, just once, so I'd probably go to the doctors by now. And I was carrying my niece at London Zoo and then suddenly I was just falling to the floor for no reason. All those years of evolution to get us to the point of walking upright, and I am still struggling. 
Although to be honest, I'm not that much better indoors because I can never open jars and I always have to ask for help. And I was so frustrated by a jar of Passata yesterday that I googled the words gadget to help the elderly open jars. (laughs) And I'm 44. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. If you know where you're going... It doesn't matter if the location is going in that same direction because you're already making the move. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port are adrift. It's going to be a shorter podcast than usual this week, for which I apologise, but I've had a, a, a funny old day. So my son fell over this morning in the li- living room and it was a bit like Annabelle there. It's it's kind of falling over from a standing start. Mm. He was just playing with some toys. Then he tipped over onto one side. So we took him to the hospital to accident and emergency. And, you know, there was a big wait and I'm looking at my watch and it's getting closer and closer to when we're recording the podcast. So I've just come out uh, of the hospital back to my house to record the podcast with Annabelle. And Sarah's just called and um, he's fractured his leg and he's going to have to be in a, a, a plaster cast. So I really need to go back to the hospital. Mm. So apologies for it being shorter than, than, than usual this week. Um, but I am looking forward to signing his cast. Oh. <laughs> that was so exciting when you were a kid, wasn't it? Signing people's cast. You were always really jealous of a cast. Yeah, I never had a cast. No, me neither. And you were like, I really want one to be signed. I think it's going to be difficult to explain this to a, a three-year-old. He's a bit young for it, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and also we're due to be taking along all flights to his grandparents for his birthday. Oh. And if that doesn't happen, I imagine that's yeah. going to be a tricky thing to to explain away and yeah. so but at least you got a cast yeah that's not going to be no the same so um as, as a consequence of that i'm not going to do the incident on this week's episode because yep. that you know i think the next couple of days are going to be quite full on yes and uh so that there won't be an incident so i just wanted to apologize um and and then we can we can press straight on try to think of any other sort of bits and pieces that have happened to me. Oh, I went to another supper club. You didn't. You're going to all these supper clubs. What's yeah, going on? This one was fantastic. It was called Avi's Modern Indian. Okay. And um, it was a chef who used to work at this very famous restaurant in London called the River Cafe, which is where people like Jamie Oliver started mm. out and maybe Hugh Fernley thingy, what's yeah, it? Yeah, Whitting's And the two women who ran it, Rosie somebody. And anyway, yeah. I mean, it's a very famous restaurant. Mm. Um and now he's doing his own sort of pop-up supper club. So I'd, I'd booked tickets for me and Sarah to go to one last week, and then she got some work on. So I ended up going with one of my late-in-life male friends. Oh, okay, nice. From the NCT group. Oh, really? Each of these groups that, uh, bef- before you have a kid, they encourage you to join groups of local parents yeah. who are also going to be having a kid at the same time. And I think I've talked about it on the podcast that I went along to one of these groups. I was sort of dragged 
kicking and screaming. It mm. didn't go well for me. I felt that I was very much ostracised by the group and the pariah of the group yeah. to the extent that I later found out that there was a dad's WhatsApp group and I wasn't in it. Oh, don't. Which was sort of my own fault. But anyway, okay, I won't get yeah. bogged down in that. But okay. I have ended up sort of friendly with one or two of the, the people in the, in the group. Uh, so I went with my friend Anthony and it was the same thing as I was talking about last week. It was sort of just big tables. And whereas last week... I didn't interact yeah. with the people on the table. Yeah. This week, I sat down and the fella I sat down next to was like, oh, what's your name? And I introduced myself to the whole table. Oh, oh. Yeah, I know, I know. And then he offered to buy us both a drink. Oh, that's kind. Well, it is kind, but the trouble is then you're beholden to sort of be, be part of the conversation, aren't you? And also I, I, I get stressed out by the fact that then I then got to buy them a drink. So I'm constantly keeping an eye on their drink. As yes. soon as their drink's empty, I don't want them to be sitting there thinking, well, she's not buying me one back. <laughs> and I find that quite yeah. stressful and tiring. Yeah, no, it is. It is stressful and tiring. So, so anyway, I got talking to people around the table. Now, there was one, and I didn't, I, I can't remember her name because it was just, uh, there were maybe 12 people. And I thought, I'm not going to remember 12 people's names. So I'm just not even going to try. Just say what your no, name is, yeah, and I yeah. thought you say what your name is. And I'm, I'm letting that go out of my mind yeah. as I'm as I'm hearing it. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, but anyway, there was a there was a lady sitting opposite me, and it turned out like she's had this quite big deal career in I think marketing something like that. Mm-hmm. So she was just talking about all these companies she used to work for. One of which was Dulux. Dulux. The oh, the paint. Company. Okay, yeah. So. I blurted out the only bit of small talk I could think of, which was, of course... Go on. Have you ever met the dog? Oh, you didn't. The yes. dog? Like, the dog was in the office all the time. Because <laughs> <laughs> Dulux, the pen company, famously have that big sheep dog yeah. in the adverts. And had she? Well, here's the thing. Oh! So she said, you mean dogs, plural? Oh, so, what? Yeah. So there are a few different Dulux dogs. They don't just use one. But the the great story that I, I managed to get out of her yeah. is when she went to Dulux they were scrapping the dog out of the adverts nah. they were going to keep it on the tins but they thought you know it's old fashioned and she insisted that they kept the Dulux dog she said no you know everybody knows it it's well loved yeah. you know companies die for a mascot like that you've got to keep it in the adverts so so because of my bad small talk saying, have you ever met the dog? Yeah. I found out that she was the woman who fairly much single-handedly was responsible <laughs> for saving the Dulux dog. It is a bit of a weird association though, isn't it? Like a dog and painting. Like there's absolutely <laughs> nothing, I think, to connect the two. It's not as weird as dogs and toilet rolls, which is Andrew. No, true. You know what they're thinking, what the original idea was, like, oh, everyone loves a dog. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah dog yeah, in it, yeah. same with Andrex, yeah. yeah. And she saved it, well, good for her. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Pork. If you get close enough, you can taste the freshness. All right, Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic in Problematic. Okay, this is from Ellie. I started a new job quite recently and during the first month, the two people I share an office with had birthdays. I bought them cake and gave them a card each and generally made a bit of a fuss. My birthday is in March and this is the first year ever, except for at school, when I've worked on my birthday. All birthdays are marked on the calendar in the office by my boss's head. About a month ago, we were chatting in the office and we started talking about birthdays and I mentioned this was my first time ever I'll be working on my birthday and they joked about the fun things they would arrange for me, balloons, etc. But they were both quite low-key and I knew they wouldn't make a big fuss. So the day came and I had a lovely morning with my family, but when I got to work... There was no happy birthday, no card, nothing. 
At first, I was a little bit relieved that I didn't have to do the card opening thing. And as a drifter, I don't like being the centre of attention. But as time ticked by, I did feel a bit sad that I had to pretend it wasn't my birthday all day. My boss even asked me to check through our list of clients and see if we have to send any birthday cards out in the next few weeks. So my quandary is, should I have said something on the day? Should I say something now? It's a week later. Or should I just never mention it? I don't want to make them feel awkward, but I also don't want them to realise in a couple of weeks and think I'm weird for not having mentioned it. Please help. I think this is really tricky. So what, what's what's your... Because I, I think they should know that they messed up. Yeah, but it's going to make I, them feel th- embarrassed. Yeah. And, and also, when do you let them know? She, I think she probably should let them know on the day like obviously it's my birthday oh no i don't think on the day oh, really because i think if you can get away if you can get away without all that fuss being made of you on your birthday yeah but at the same time make them feel a bit guilty <laughs> That's, is that the ideal situation yes, for you yeah, yeah. okay so how would you make them find out in a few weeks time say well i think i would have um I, th- I think i might have gone into work the next morning and say oh, i had a bit of a late one last night with it with my birthday oh. or but that's it's so like you're so chastising them like yeah but they should be punished but at the same time (laughs) they should because the social contract in that workplace is you get a fuss made of you on your birthday you'd expect some cake wouldn't you yeah i think what i would do is just let it go really yeah i honestly think that's what i do i think i think that i think that's what she should do Okay. Am I going to overrule you? I yeah, am. yeah, yeah. The rule is you just have to pretend it never happened. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and uh, what's the other one? Okay, this is from Kendall. Last week I was playing volleyball with my weekly league, which has a total of about seven teams in it. I was hitting at the net and the other team tried to block me. When I landed, I felt someone else land on my foot and I heard a painful gasp. The girl opposite me had badly sprained her ankle. I felt horrible. We will never know if I was over the line, meaning it was my fault, or if she was over the line. But since there is a possibility it was my fault, of course I was beside myself with guilt. I immediately apologised profusely, saying that my foot was in the way, which I figured was a good neutral phrase and not necessarily a complete acceptance of responsibility. Afterwards, I realised that no one on my team or her team seemed to have known what happened until I said anything. So here lies the quandary. The only reason I knew it was me was because I felt her foot. But it's possible she didn't actually realise whose foot it was. So by saying something, I may have completely outed myself. My question to you is, should I have kept my mouth shut, allowing for the possibility that no one would ever know what happened and not drawing attention to myself? Or did I do the right thing? Since the possibility of her knowing what happened and me not apologising would look terrible. If it makes a difference, it's pretty unlikely that I will not see that team again. And I can't believe that Kendall is asking you a sporting question. <laughs> well, I I think you did the right thing, but oh. I also so but I also think unless you've been in a car accident where you know you've got to be very careful not to apologise because that's what everyone says, isn't it? Don't apologise or it invalidates the insurance. I've never heard that really. Oh yeah, yeah. Like oh. somebody like if, if anything happens, just don't don't say sorry. In any other circumstance where there's any doubt, mm. the social contract is you apologise yeah. and then the other person goes, oh no, 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 I'm sorry, I thought it was my fault. Ah, oh, that's the rule. You just both, in, you both say it's Any your situation fault. where yeah. you're apologising, yeah, yeah. even if it's ridiculous that you're apologising yeah, yeah. or reciprocating the apology, mm. that's that's how it goes. Yeah, that's how it should be. Yeah. yeah. So you should say sorry and she should say sorry. Like if, I, if somebody treads on my foot and says sorry, I'll go, oh no, no, I'm sorry, it's my fault. I mean, it's just... Yeah, yeah. That's and then it. all the other players should also say sorry. Yeah. And the person invented volleyball should say sorry. Exactly, we yeah. should all just say sorry. Yes, okay, yeah, great. That yeah, one yeah. solved as well. That was easy.
And that's this week's podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry it's so short. I hope you understand that it's uh, unusual circumstances. Hopefully we will be back to uh, a, a more substantial length next week. Uh, thanks to all the people you usually hear me thanking at the end of a podcast. I'll say that just to save a bit of time. And I think if there's one lesson we've all learned this week is if, if you find yourself needing to be sick in a bin whilst being disciplined by a manager, just pretend that you've, <laughs> you've dropped your phone in there and you're fishing it out. Yeah. Drift. All right, publication time. This comes from Sam Wally, who says, Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. Hi. Hi. This is a publication from my friend Paddy. I recently recruited him as a drifter. Fantastic. Amazing. Uh, having reconnected after a few years, it only took a chat over a coffee for me to realise that he was one of us. And I now know that he really enjoys listening to the podcast as it reassures him that he is not alone. That's what this podcast is for. Mm, yep. You are not alone. Uh, I should wind back a bit to 1986 or 7 or thereabouts in North Devon. It was during an O-level biology lesson that Paddy, or Patrick as he was back then, asked to borrow just about every item I had in my pencil case. Lo and behold, that lunchtime, Paddy approached me and asked me to go out with me. I had a mouthful of sandwich and spluttered that I would think about it. Obviously, I had no intention of thinking about it. There wasn't a chance that I could possibly ever have a boyfriend. What on earth would it involve? Needless to say, I finished my lunch and dispatched my best friend uh, to go and tell Paddy that I just liked him as a friend. I heard those words a lot as a teenager. (laughs) Fast forward to our 40th year and our first ever school reunion. Having not seen Paddy since we left school, I was delighted to see that he'd turned into a really nice bloke. We both had spouses and kids and kept in touch intermittently via social media. We both happened to be back in North Devon this summer, and that's when we met up for that quick coffee. Although Paddy has started listening to the podcast, I have a feeling he has started from the beginning, so it might be a year before he even hears, hears this, and that's only if he listens right to the end of the episode. <laughs> I mean, he could give up. I mean, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Uh, obviously, I could never ask him uh, if he'd heard it. So here's to Paddy. Not, no. <laughs> no, a top bloke wishing him health and happiness. So, Paddy... So great that you reconnected with Sam Wally yeah, after all nice. those years. I thought it was going to be a love story and they're going to end up together, but it didn't go that way, well, did it? No, you don't want them to be home records, do you? No, of course not. No, no. Well, as soon as that was mentioned, I, I didn't want any, I assure you. <laughs> you <laughs> don't want away. Paddy to make a cuckold no, of Sam's No, no, husband. no, no. I feel bad for even mentioning it, to be right. honest. <laughs> uh, so uh, if you would like a podcast, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com.